What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast bonus edition. It's Thursday, September 12th, and the Panthers and the Buccaneers are playing some football. We're going to talk about that game in just one second. But first things first, we've got reviews and ratings on iTunes. I hope you like the show. If you do, we would love for you to go rate and review it. You can rate it easily on your phone. Like when you have your podcast thing open, you just go to the podcast, scroll down, hit the five-star button. Um, and if you want to write a review, that'd be awesome too. It takes a little more time, but if you have nice things to say about the podcast, we would love a five-star rating and a review from you. If we get to 500 rating, 500 reviews or a thousand ratings, I think we're at like 350 reviews and 800 ratings right now. Um, I will strong arm Debo, our, our glorious producer who's listening to this right now as we speak into, into stealing some swag from the office and mailing it to you. Or maybe we'll give away a free fantasy league or, or something else that legal hadn't approved. We don't care. We're going rogue. Just go rate, rate, review the podcast already. Um, also. Uh, no, I got nothing else. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's dive in. Joining us today, as he does every Monday and Thursday to talk about some TNF. Fortunately, we just have one game tonight. Jared Dubin, what's up, dudes? Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Carolina Panthers are on TV tonight. Um, you know, it's a nice sunny day. Fall is, fall is slowly creeping its way in and, uh, can't be too mad about life. No, I mean, well, that swag you guys are going to send out. Is that going to go out before or after Sean gets his uh, his zip tee or whatever oh, he, oh, the thing oh. he wants? Well, clearly, clearly, before Sean's never getting that zip tee. Sean, by the way, I don't know if people know this, and Sean, we'll find out if Sean listens to this podcast. Um, Sean, in order to, I think this is a con by him to try and get me to send him his uh, his half zip. Do you have a half zip, Dubin? Would you like one? I don't have one, and I would like one. All right, let's get you one first before we get Sean one. Anyway, Sean. Um, Sean sent me, uh, Sean was like, Hey, uh, I'd love to get my dad a pick six shirt, uh, for, for his birthday. Could you, could you send me a pick six podcast shirt? I was like, oh, God, what a guilt trip. I was like, yes, I'll do it. And he's like, yeah, well, you got it. Just throw my half zip in there. I'm like, hmm. So I, I was like, well, I'm going to need to see a birth certificate and he won't give me a birth certificate. He did Venmo me 15 bucks to mail him the stuff. I'm way behind on mailing things. I got to mail my mom a jacket that she left at my house. I got to mail, I got, I owe listeners beer. From if that sent me beer, I gotta send, or I gotta send him some t-shirts. I got a box of t-shirts here I'm gonna mail out. Uh, so I'll get you a half zip there too, Dubin. And, and, uh, and I'm gonna make sure, I might mail Sean a, a shirt that I wore that he can give his dad, uh, but not <laughs> his half zip. And so, uh, that's where we stand with the Sean situation. Moving along to the Panthers and Buccaneers. The Panthers are six and a half point favorites. Over under is 49. But before we get to the game and specifically, I'm curious your thoughts on the NFC South as a whole. It felt like it always feels like one of the best divisions, but not a great first week for the NFC South. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, the Falcons especially were just sort of blown off the field by, can we call them your Vikings? I feel like we can call them your Vikings. Uh, they are my Vikings. They are my favorite yeah. team this year by far, for sure. Yeah, they were blown off the field by your Vikings. They, their defense especially looked uh, atrocious, and then their running game as well. The Bucks. I mean, we're, we'll, we'll talk about them more. Um, I'm not enthused by what I saw in week one from them. I, I do think that the Panthers and Saints looked about as expected. The Saints needed to pull a win out of their butts at the end, but they did it against a good team playing in an environment that's conducive to them. Granted that a game was at home for the Saints, but I mean, you play the Texans in a dome, it's always going to be difficult no matter where that dome is. And then um, I thought the Panthers looked pretty good. 
against one of the best teams in the NFC. They, they didn't get the win, and it was a home game, so that's unfortunate. But I do think they played well. Their defense looked good. And um, I, I think we'll see more out of Cam Newton than we saw in week one because there were, there were a few things that looked much different about the way he played early in the season. And um, if we want to jump into that right now, I guess. Yeah, uh, let's um, do it. Yeah, I mean, he only threw deep down the field one time in the first game on, uh, I believe it was 30 pass attempts, and then 23 of his pass attempts were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. That's obviously much different than usually we see from him. He threw deep around three times a game last year, and that's with the average being dragged down by that shoulder injury he had late in the season. And then only 60% of his passes were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage last season, and it was 77% last week. I do think that as the season goes along, we'll see him start to push the ball down the field a little bit more. This is the same thing, essentially, that we saw from Andrew Luck in the first two weeks of the season last year. I think he threw one pass total more than 20 yards in the air over the first two weeks, and then he started opening up once he got back into the rhythm of things. I think Cam, obviously, coming off the shoulder injury, shoulder surgery in the offseason, I think as we get into the season a bit more, he'll start – pushing things downfield, Greg Olson down the field, Samuel down the field, DJ Moore down the field, and that'll obviously just open things up even more for Christian McCaffrey, who's basically unstoppable at this point. Uh, yeah, I want to talk more about CMC in a second. I will point out, too, that in um, week uh, week one of 2018, Cam only attempted two balls that were more than 20 yards down the field, and, uh, and no, no more... He had one pass that was exactly 15 yards down the field, and that was that was basically it. I mean, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't throw the ball deep at all in week two. In Cam, it came in that week one game. They played the Cowboys in week one last year at home. 161 yards on 17 to 26, not ideal. Uh, in week two, Cam came out and threw 45 times, 335 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He had three ball, three passes, none of them complete, attempted more than 30 yards down the field. So they definitely started stretching out a little bit more in, in, in week two, reined it back in in week three. I, I tend to think, Dubes, I don't know that – I just don't know that Norv Turner wants – I know that it doesn't fit with what he's always done traditionally in terms of – you know, he always had guys taking vertical shots down the field and Cam could throw vertically. It feels like with the, the weapons that they have, he's far more interested in Cam uh, being accurate – and and completing short passes and and letting McCaffrey and and Samuel and DJ Moore do the work than he is in Cam trying to chunk it. Do you think it? Do you think it's the? Is is it possible it's the offense versus Cam, or is it certainly something involving Cam's shoulder? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, they do want to get those you know shorter, quicker passes. The the receivers they have. I mean, their three primary targets are McCaffrey, Moore, and Samuel, and all of those guys are guys where you want to get the, the the ball in their hands quickly. Let them make you know linebackers and safeties and slot corners miss, and then gain yards after the catch. Those are the kind of things that you could do. They're easier throws for Cam. There's less of a chance that he's going to get hit, which you know is good for that shoulder as well. That's part of the reason. I mean, he only had two design runs last week, and one of them was basically uh, a read option that he just pulled and said I'm going nowhere and he lost I think six yards on the play um so not as much running not as much deep passing I think early in the season but you do have to challenge the defense down the field in order to make sure that those short quick passes are still open you can't run an entire offense based only on those passes unless your quarterback is like the most accurate guy in the league like Drew Brees or Tom Brady and you know Cam is a lot of things he's a very good quarterback but he's not the kind of guy who is going to be able to just dink and dunk the entire way down the field the entire game 
you know, 11, 12, 13 play drives of six, seven, eight yard passes that are going to be complete every time. He tends to miss, you know, high a little bit sometimes because of his throwing motion and just how big he is as a quarterback in general. So I do think they need to take some shots downfield just to make sure those underneath lanes are a bit more open. And obviously their receivers, you know, they're, they're on the smaller side, but they're so fast. I mean, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, both of them can really challenge uh, down the field. And then Greg Olson as a tight end is one of the better vertical threats uh, in the league too. So they do have the weapons to do it. And Cam obviously is a really strong arm. And I do think we'll see them take a little bit more shots deep down the field as the season goes along, as that shoulder gets healthier, they get more confident in their pass protection. And because they're going to want to loosen up the defense a little bit, just to make sure there's more room for those guys underneath. Uh, Cam joked that Ron Rivera had Christian McCaffrey in fantasy football. Cause I mean, McCaffrey got fed <coughs> still only had, you know, 19 carries, but he had a ton of yardage and man, he ran so well just in terms of, not being like a scat back type. I mean, he's just a legitimate between the tackles guy. He was breaking tons of tackles, getting yards after contact. It, it, is it possible that, that we all just sort of slept on the idea that Christian McCaffrey with no real threat at all to take carries away from him outside of Cam in the red zone and they don't want to run him? Uh, it was the obvious number one pick in fantasy, even over Saquon Barkley. I'll tell you who did not sleep on that. Me. I took huh. him number one overall in over OCS. Barkley. Fantasy League. You yes. did do that. I forgot about that. Good job by you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, he's really good. I mean, he doesn't come off the field. They were talking uh, throughout the offseason, oh, we're going to reduce his snap load, but somehow get him more touches. Uh, he played 100% of the snaps in game one. So there goes that. <laughs> I, I, I don't think – I was asked about this on radio the other day, and I, I really don't think it's a huge deal for him to have a high snap count I mean, like, I understand you want to keep him fresh. You don't want to overwork him. But, like, I don't mind that his snap count is high as long as his carry count stays under 20 on an, on an average weekly basis. Is this a chance, though, against Tampa Bay, a team that has, you know, looked, looked awful, just flat out freaking awful on Sunday against the, the, the 49ers? Is this a chance for CM, for them to put a heavy load on CMC's back and say, look, let's get a lead? Let's lean on Christian and let's, you know, let's grind these guys out. I mean, is it, is it that sort of play or do you see a, a different offensive approach for the Panthers? I don't know necessarily about grind them out. I mean, the Bucks' pass defense is still pretty bad. Um, I think that especially with the speed that mm. McCaffrey and Moore and Samuel have, this Bucks secondary is just, it's very slow. All of their guys are sort of big, slow guys. It doesn't really make that much sense to play against this specific Panthers offense. I think if they can get those guys in open space, you're going to see a lot of run after catch type stuff. And then, you know, if you get into the second half of the game and you want to run the ball down their throats, I mean, I think that the opportunities are going to be there to do it. That defensive line, I think, leaves sort of something to be desired. And uh, the Panthers' offensive line is pretty good. Um, I, I think they could do pretty much anything they're going to want to do offensively tonight. I think it's a very good matchup for them. Wow. Uh, so Okay. All right. Interesting. What about when the Buccaneers have the ball? Because James uh, Winston is not good. Is James, is James Winston good? And can he ever be good? Or is he just streaky? Because I made the argument before the season, and I was yelling about this Um at some point, I don't remember who I was yelling it to, but like Jameis Winston is not accurate down the field. Like it, he can throw the ball really far, but he doesn't have any touch down there. He doesn't have any touch. Like 
And I don't think that that's going to work in a Bruce Arians offense when they can't protect for him initially. And you have Gerald McCoy, who is very, very big and very, very angry. And he is hell bent on destroying the box in the two of the first six Panthers games this year. That's probably why he signed with Carolina because he knew worst case scenario, he's going to be healthy for the first six games and he's going to get to play Bruce Arians in Tampa and Jameis twice. How are they? What is the game? What is the approach for Bruce Arians here knowing that your quarterback Actually, I'll ask you again. Is Jameis Winston good? Um, no. I think that we've seen throughout his career now, this is his fifth year in the league. I mean, he's the same guy he was when he came into the league, the same guy he was in college. His biggest strength as a quarterback is his arm strength. He can make, you know, there's, you know, obviously a saying in NFL scouting circles and whatnot, that guy can make all the throws. And Jameis Winston absolutely can make any single throw you ask him to, 20-yard deep out, deep bomb down the field, posts, fades, slants, anything. He has the arm to make all of them. The problem is that you have to choose the right throw to make and make it on time and accurate. And he's extremely bad at making those throws on time and accurate. And he's even worse at choosing the right throw to make. He just had such bad decision-making in terms of when to release the ball, which guy he should throw the ball to, reading coverages, reading defenses. I mean, this is going back to college. He was sort of a turnover-prone player, and he's been – you know, I'm pretty sure the most turnover-prone player in terms of uh, interception rate, I'm pretty sure among regular starters since he came into the league. It's just he is who we thought he was, to quote the, the, the late great <laughs> screen. Um, and that's just, I mean, I don't know how necessarily you fix that at this point, and I don't think that necessarily Bruce Arians is the guy that is going to fix it because his whole philosophy is, you know, the no risk it, no biscuit offense. He wants guys to take chances, wants them to be aggressive, wants them to push the ball down the field. And while that does play to Jameis's biggest strength, his arm strength, it also plays into all of his biggest weaknesses because the more time, the more times you want to push the ball downfield, that means the more time you generally have to wait for routes to develop. And if you're waiting longer for routes to develop, that means you're inviting more pressure. And Jameis is one of the worst under-pressure passers in the entire league. It makes his decision-making significantly worse. He tends to force things so that he doesn't necessarily uh, get hit while he's throwing. And um, that leads to interceptions. And when he does try to force stuff late downfield, he, he thinks and knows that he can make any throw. So he winds up forcing it into, you know, double coverage. He trusts his guys to make plays. Sometimes they do, and sometimes it's a pick. But, I mean, it's – it's uh, I, I'm not so, going to say it's frustrating because he went to Florida State, so I'm perfectly fine with him <laughs> being a bad quarterback. But, I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating for that team. They have, they have so many good weapons offensively. You know, obviously Mike Evans is really good. The entire fantasy football community is in love with Chris Godwin. O.J. Howard is just a ridiculous athlete. And you got a quarterback who, you know, when, it, when he makes the perfect throw that he can make because he has – you know, the arm strength to get the ball wherever he wants it to go, it looks great. But most of the time, he's just making the wrong decision and not making accurate enough throws for it to really matter that he can do that. Yeah, so Jameis in week one against the 49ers had three interceptions within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. That's a hallmark of his career. He doesn't see linebackers. Um, He, you know, he'll, he gets phased by pressure and tries to force stuff there. And he only had Three attempts. I mean, look, we talk about Cam's attempts. Jameis only had three attempts over 20 yards down the field, which tells me that he was getting heavily pressured. What can Bruce Arians do to offset the the heat that Ron Rivera will bring? Because I, I don't know about you, I, I I tend to think, and I've been saying this since the preseason. I just don't think it's. I don't think people really 
gave it as much credit because the Rams did it. The Rams, like if you look at what the Rams did um, in terms of, you know, getting getting the ball out of Jared Goff's hands, they were right in the middle of the pack in terms of time to throw last week, according to Next Gen Stats, 2.68 seconds for Jared Goff. Jameis Winston was at 3.02 seconds. And I don't know that that means that he was – protected well i think it means he was running around and waiting to throw is 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 my theory on it what can bruce arians do to offset uh the panthers pressure that they bring with this sort of revamped front four because i think ron rivera is going to throw a lot of stuff at Jameis winston uh on, on thursday night yeah i think he is too and i think that there are obviously several things that arians could do but that's sort of not his philosophy he likes to get guys out and routes and have a lot of different ways to challenge the defense. You know, you could go with more, you know, two tight end sets and have OJ Howard and Cameron Brait uh, on the field at the same time, but you're sort of wasting the talents of those guys if you keep one of them into block because both of them are primarily pass catching tight ends. You know, maybe by going to that formation, you get, um, you know, heavier personnel on the field for the defense and that makes it a little bit easier for you to, to throw the ball, even if you do have multiple, uh, all of those guys go out in their routes. I mean, you could have, uh, you know, Dare, Ogumbawale stay in and, and chip um, on, on anybody that's blitzing off the edge. You could have guys sort of, you know, maybe double team McCoy or short, whoever you think is the biggest threat on a particular play rushing from the inside. There's a lot of different ways you could play it, but I, I don't think necessarily that Arians is going to go that route. I mean, when you look at his offenses, um, you know, when he was in Pittsburgh and when he was in Arizona and when he was pretty much everywhere else, I mean, he tended to be a guy who sends a lot of guys out on routes and attacks deep down the field, but his quarterbacks do get pressured a lot and they get hit a lot. He's sort of taking the, the big play in exchange for the pressure. And uh, if your offensive line can hold up, as it did when, when he was uh, in Pittsburgh a whole lot of the time, they had one of the better offensive lines in the league, then you have a really good offense. And when it holds up like it did, you know, for the couple of years there where Carson Palmer was really good in Arizona, that works out really well. You have one of the better offenses in the league. When it doesn't hold up, you have Jameis Winston. Mm. All right. So what is the number one key to this game? And knowing that the pain, by the way, Dubin, uh, I don't, do you, I think you actually had the Broncos in the second game, right? Broncos, but you had the under in the second game, I believe. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so you, had, you, well, you went. Yeah, that's fine. But you went three for four. I mean, I think our listeners will take. Yeah, yeah you had the you, like you said, take the Texans and the points, and you said the Texans might win outright, and they should have won outright. If yeah, uh, I, I almost hit the score too. If the, I think I yeah. said like thirty four thirty or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You t- you said take the over, take the Texans, sprinkle the money line, and uh, and then hit the under. So I mean, like I look you. Three or four, you take three or four, you take 75% all day. So, what is, yeah, yeah. What is the biggest key to this game? And give me your prediction. Uh, Panthers minus six and a half is what we'll use. It is seven. And so, you know, factor that in and over under 49. Yeah, I had the, the Panthers. I believe the score I predicted on the site is 27 16. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the, the Panthers with the points and the under. Yes. Um, I, I think, I mean, the, the key is going to be like, can the Bucks avoid turning the ball over? And um, are they able to run the way they did last week? And because that will just help them avoid turnovers. Uh, it, it, the more often you put the ball in Jameis Winston's hands, I believe, the more likely you are to turn it over. Um, granted, Ronald Jones was the guy who had success for them running last week. And he had, I believe, more than twice as many rushing yards last week as he did in his entire rookie season. So I'm not necessarily sure I expect that to continue. That said, 
the Panthers did give up a bunch of yards on the ground last week to the Rams, but uh, you know the Rams have one of the better run blocking offensive lines in the league, and the Bucks, well, don't. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I mean, for me, it's just Jameis just has so many backbreaking turnovers. Uh, just to, to give you an example, this is something that I saw on. Um, there's an account on Twitter at Cowboys Stats, and it's a guy who uses sort of the um, the NFL scraper data with, uh, you know, EPA per play and win, win probability per play and things like that. Yeah. And basically, one of the things he was showing is, just to use the, the off-the-top example and then compare it to Jameis, one of the things he was showing is that Dak Prescott's most damaging plays tend to come in games when the Cowboys are already almost guaranteed to lose. Like last year in Week 2, for example, they were down by a bunch, and he threw a pick six on, like, the second-to-last play of the game against the Broncos. Um those are the kind of things that he tends to do. He's forcing stuff in an attempt to make an almost sure loss into a possible win, and he turns the almost sure loss into a definite loss, things like that. Whereas Jameis Winston, his turnovers, his damaging plays tend to come in games that are in the balance. Like he turns, you know, a win into a loss or a, you know, a toss-up game into a loss and things like that. It's just, it's, it's bad. He, uh, he he takes unnecessary risks. He doesn't necessarily get the kind of payoff that you want from them. Um, a lot of his turnovers are are just really damaging to his team's chances of winning. Uh, Jameis Winston, by the way, has played three games in his career, I believe, at Carolina. Unless he was, unless I'm missing the year he was drafted. Anyway, the last three games that he's played at Carolina. Uh, he has has actually has a pretty good completion percentage, has pretty good numbers. You would lean towards the over on passing yards, but just two touchdowns and two interceptions. You know, he hadn't been that great at Carolina. And uh, one and two with a 17-14 win in October of 2016, a game that I, if I recall correctly, yes, featured Derek Anderson. That was the Monday night game. So I'm not sure that Jameis Winston has ever beaten Cam Newton. So keep that in mind um, as you as you prepare for, uh, for this game. I am, uh, look. I'll tell you this. The one thing that, uh, that concerns me about this, Dubes, is that everybody and their brother – yeah, Jameis Winston, uh, winless against Cam Newton in Carolina. Everybody and their brother is on the Buccaneers – I mean the Panthers. Uh, I had someone text me and was like, did you hear Mike Greenberg on Get Up? And I was like, no. What did he say? He said, he said that the Panthers are the stone-cold lock of the week minus seven. And that that is oh, – yeah, you couldn't ask for a bigger red flag on, on the planet, but uh, I'm still going to ride with the Panthers here. I, I like the under a little bit. I, I just think Carolina is going to. I think Carolina is going to come to play in this game. I think they were better than people think, and I think Tampa Bay is bad. I think Jameis is a bad fit for Bruce Arians, as you as you, as you pointed out. And I think the Panthers roll in this game at home in a in a snoozer of a Monday night game. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I, another concerning thing for me is obviously the best receiver on Tampa is Mike Evans. Um, James Bradbury has shadowed him in the last five games these two teams have played. And he's done really, really well. Last year, he held Mike Evans to five catches for 64 yards on 16 targets. And that's across both games. Okay, that's great info. Excellent stuff, dudes. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here. Tomorrow's podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star reviews, we love them. Tomorrow's podcast will feature uh, a recap of Thursday night as well as picks with R.J. White and Pete Prisco. And you can watch that pick show on YouTube at youtube.com slash CBS Sports. If you want to, follow Jared Dubin at J.A. Dubin 5. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks, dudes.